I want to talk a little bit this morning about kind of where we ended up last week. We ended up last week in the, in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 8. So if you have your Bible, and if you turn to this 8th chapter of Deuteronomy, we're going to spend most of the time there today. Now I know it's an Old Testament passage, and I know that we live in a New Testament time, but there's a lot of things we can learn out of the Old Testament. The Old Testament is very relevant for us today. We're not under law, but we're still under God. And God is the God of the Old Testament, and he's the God of the New Testament. And there's a lot of good things we can learn here. And this particular passage is, is a passage that Moses wrote to the Israelites as they were ending their time or in the process of ending their journey in the desert. And there's a lot of things here, I believe, that can be applicable for us as we listen to what Moses tells his people after 40 years of pilgrimage in a very, very hard desert. 40 years is a long time. It's a lifetime for some of us, especially in our adult years, because some of us don't turn to be adults till we're 30, um, at least mentally, that is. That was kind of a joke. <laughs> Thanks, Scott. I appreciate that. Scott's one of them, by the way. <laughs> gotcha. Anyway, um, 40 years is a long time. It's a long time to go through anything, whether it's good or bad. 40 years is a long time. There's a lot of lessons that can be learned in 40 years. There's a lot of things that can be accomplished, and there's a lot of challenges that come our way in 40 years. And I want to highlight some of those things today that comes out of this text in Deuteronomy. The four things that I want to highlight today that Moses talks about, he says, number one, be careful to follow God's commands. Number two, understand the tests that God allows and why. Number three, acknowledge that God is the provider. And then number four, remember the lessons of the hard times and who delivers. So really this, this talk today, this sermon is going to be really never forget God's provision. Never forget God's provision. Number one, careful to follow God's commands. After all the discussions we've had over the past number of weeks on freedom, it seems a little bit strange then today that I would start talking about following somebody's commands. <laughs> freedom, I thought, means that we don't have to worry about commands. Well, that's not really true. But we're going to talk about that and we're going to go through that because freedom really does say that we follow God's commands and we are to observe and follow them very, very closely. But it's interesting, though, that we as humans are very, very quick to want to run the, our own show, don't we? Everybody wants to be their own boss. Everybody wants to do what they want to do and really not be accountable to anyone. Am I speaking the truth? Do you want to be accountable to somebody? No, we all, that's our, our basic human nature, is we want to be the boss. And we want to do things that we want to do when we want to do them. And it really sounds good, doesn't it? But understand that when you're the boss and something bad happens, the buck stops there. <laughs> the, old, the old proverbial dollar, the old proverbial buck stops at the boss. And sometimes it's not so good to be the boss then. It's nice to have somebody else you can, you can push it up to if you can. So being the boss is not always easy and it's not always the things that really is the best thing for us and it's not always fun 
Because when times are tough or if you make bad choices and the consequences are piling up, then it's not so much being fun being the boss. You know, we're really much smarter if we recognize and we allow God to be the boss of our life. And that doesn't make a lot of sense when we talk about the world. But in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1, he starts off with, it says, Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today so that you may live and increase and it may enter and possess the land that the Lord promised on oath to your fathers. When he says be careful to obey every command, that basically is saying, let me, God, be your boss. And you then, your responsibility is to carefully observe my commands and follow them. And he says if you do observe the, God, the commands of the Lord, if you go skip down to chapter, uh, same chapter, verses 6 through 9, it says, if you do, it says, observe the, the commands of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and revering him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with streams and pools of water, with springs flowing in the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce, you will lack nothing, a land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. See, we as people in our human flesh, we often come up with the wrong um, assumption that when we observe and follow God's commands, that we're the ones that will be suffering because God is a hard God and God is a very demanding God. And if I have to follow God's commands, then my life is really over. I've lost my identity. I've lost the fun of life. And I'm just going to be a boring church person. And I'm going to go to church all the time. And I'm, going to, um, I'm not going to have fun with my friends. I'm going to have to ignore all of life. And I'm just going to have to be boring. That's what the world says about when we obey God's commands. And it's all around us. I mean, just look at the commercials on TV. You know, they're always saying, go for the gusto of life. You know, just do it. You know, go for the Miller High Life. You know, all the stuff. And all the commercials you see are all talking about people making their own way, doing their own thing, having their own fun. But that's not what the Bible says. When you listen to the world... The primary message that Christians are boring, they go to church, they read the Bible, sing some songs, they lean on, they, and, and then they lean on a crutch called God because they can't make it on their own. That's, that's, the, that's the worldly perspective. But I'm here to tell you today that that deception's wrong. It, it, that, that, that perception is wrong and it is deception. It is the enemy deceiving those that the Lord is calling to be a holy vessel. It is a wrong perspective. That is not the way God wants us to live. The world has it backwards. It has it all backwards. It says that being in charge of your own destiny is the way to success, freedom, and the good life. You know what? That, that is on the way to, to, to hell and destruction. When you reject God's commands and you reject his way, you're listening to the voice of the father of self-deception, the father of all lies. And who would that be? Satan. He is the one that wants you to avoid godly commands. He's the one that wants you to hear them and then walk away and forget them. He's the one that he, he doesn't have any problems when you come to church and listen. But he has a problem when you go home and do. 
and you go home and live it out. And that's, the, that's what we're trying to emphasize in this church. We're just not coming to this church to have a good feeling, to come and have really, really good praise and worship, which we had today, and to come in and pray together and have a nice time here. What we're emphasizing is living it out at home. You have to learn here and then live at home. It's what we talked about in the dedication today. We want Lillian and Isaac not just to hear their mom and dad talk about God, but we want them to see God living in them. Because when you live God through you, He lives through you, you will effectively be the godly parents that will train those kids. Not in a hypocritical way to say, well, mom and dad talk like this and live like this. No, you want them to talk like that and then live the same way. That is effective parenting Christian-wise. That, that is not the worldly way, but it is the godly way. And that's what we're here to talk about today. Let's go back to the text. If we obey and live out the commands that God gives us, he promises that we will live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord has promised. There's four things, live, increase, enter, and possess. I mean, there's no ifs, maybes, and buts here. He is saying, if you obey my commands, this is what's going to happen to you. Now, do you not want that? Do you not want to live and possess the land of God? Then obey his commands. What is this land he's talking about? We talked about it. It's the land of streams, of pools of water, and, and fig trees, and pomegranates, which don't mean a lot to us now because we're not in that particular culture. Olive trees? How many people have an olive tree in their yard? We don't have olive trees here, but it's, but it's figuratively speaking. But what it does say is it's a land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing, meaning that God will meet your needs. Does that mean he's going to meet your wants? Now, that'd be great, wouldn't it? And maybe sometimes he will, but he will meet your needs. He's promised that. Now, that's on this life, but we have to take it one step further because as we talk about living for the target, which is hearing Lord Jesus tell me, Mike, you did a good job, well done, enter into the land, enter into your Father's presence. That is eternal life. We will reap that, regardless of what your, your temporary circumstances are in this life. You may not have everything you want here, but if you follow God's commands, you will enter that life, you will enter that land where you will want nothing forever and ever and ever, and that is called heaven and that is called the new heavens and a new earth when we come back here and we establish this life here. So that promise may seem like, it, well, it doesn't apply to me today because I'm really struggling and I've been struggling a long time in my life. Well, my encouragement is hang in there. Just keep going. Don't give up because the promise is still coming because it says we are coming into the land, you are entering into the land, and that land may be here and it may be now, but we also know for sure that it will be in heaven. There's no question about that. So don't get hung up on if you're struggling today and if it just isn't happening today in your life, don't worry about that. That is a detail, that is a temporary detail in life that will get better. It will get better and you will make it through. Number two, understand the tests that God allows and why. We've talked a lot about tests in the past few, years, the past few weeks and months here in this church because we're all going through them of, of different kinds and it's very important that we understand them. And it's important that we understand that they will come. And even if they're hard, unpleasant, painful, and sometimes seemingly unrelenting, they are for our good in the end. Did you hear me? The pain, the testing, the trials, the unrelenting 
struggle is for our good in the end. Deuteronomy 8, chapters 2 and 3, it says, Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart. In verse 5, he says, Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his sons, so the Lord God disciplines you. And then down in 15 and 16, he says, He led you through the vast and dreadful desert, that thirsty and waterless land, with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of a hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the desert, something your fathers had never known, to humble and to test you, so that in the end, it might go well with you. And that talking of water makes me thirsty. Excuse me. So he gives us tests, and we know they're going to give tests. Now, we know and believe that God is omniscient. And what does omniscient means mean? Omniscient means that God knows all things. All things, beginning and end and everything in between, God knows all things. There is not one thing that God does not know. Everything about my future, everything about my past, everything about where I'm at right now. So if God is going to give me a test... And if he already knows that he's going to give me the test, he already knows the outcome of the test, why give me the test? It's not for God's benefit. It's for my benefit. Because I don't know exactly how I'm going to get through the test until I get through it. You know, there's a good example of this, and that is the old fight or flight problem. One time when I was newly married, I'm going to tell myself here because... I, uh, it scared me, but uh, we, my, my wife and I were walking across the street on Highway 66 and over there, and, and it was dark at night, and we were over at my Grandma Brum's house when she lives, used to live in that house next door, and, and so we were walking back across the highway to come to the house that we're living in right now, and, and Barney had um, hid in the bushes, you know, and uh, right out there. So we're walking, and I'm walking next to my wife, and we're walking, and Barney come out of those bushes, and he just scared scared me to death. Well, my initial response was, run. <laughs> and I left Chris behind. <laughs> and I figured, you know what? I don't have to be faster than that bear. I just got to be faster than Chris. <laughs> and that was my initial reaction. And they never let me forget that. Now, I, I said, you know what I was doing, really? I was running a little bit away so I could turn around and get position distance so I could try and fight. <laughs> no, I was running. See, so that's what happened in my test. I realized right there that I just had to be quicker than Chris. And I wasn't too brave because when he scared me, I was out of there, man. So that scared me. So that was a test that I needed to know so that next time I can know that I shouldn't run, I should at least protect her. And uh, so that was a good lesson for me. You know, another, another lesson that we have in things is called tithing. Now, this has nothing to do with Deuteronomy 8, but it has everything to do with the test. Because commonly what will happen, and I know I'm guilty of it too, is when it comes to tithing and giving to God, I'm going to say, you know what, I'm just not making enough money right now to tithe. I just can't afford it. But God, if you bless me, I will tithe. Because I'll have more money to tithe with. So we say, oh, I can't, I can't, I can't tithe now. I can't give to God because I just don't have the resources. 
So here's the test. Here's, here, think of it this way. If you make $1,000, your tithe is $100. That's not a whole lot of money. But if I make $100,000, now my tithe is $10,000. Now, if I can't give $100, how in the world am I ever going to give 10000 Do you see that test? Do you see how that would happen? Because if God can't trust me with a little, why in the world do you think he's going to trust me with a lot? Because that testing process of knowing if I can't give away a little, but I say, oh God, trust me. Give it to me. Trust me, and I, and I promise I'll give you a tenth back. I've got to tell you right now, my, my, I would venture to say if you can't give $100 out of 1000 that you will never give 10000 out of 100000 Am I speaking any truth here? You don't have to raise your hands and say it's me. <laughs> I'm not asking for that. I'm just saying that I know how we work and I know how people work and that's, common, that's a common principle. So the tests that come our way are coming for our benefit and God doesn't allow those tests to hurt me or to punish me. He's not angry with us. He's not in any way a mean God allowing us to be tested no more than we would allow our children to be tested if it wasn't for their good. We just had a baby dedication. They would never put Lillian in a, in a situation or Isaac in a situation that would knowingly hurt them if it wasn't for their good. You wouldn't do it as parents. Therefore, God won't do it with us. He is not out to hurt us, but he is out to make us better. And sometimes making us better means we have to go through a hard time. We have to go through some tests. So let's just not, let's not get hung up on this point too much. Let's just know that God loves us so much that in the end, it might go well with you. In the end, it might go well with you. And that's the promise that we have. Number three, we need to acknowledge that God is the provider. God provided for the Israelites 40 years while they wandered in the desert. Verse 4 says, Your clothes did not wear out. And your feet did not swell during those 40 years. Could you imagine having clothes that did not wear out in 40s? I don't even think I could fit into something from 40 years ago, let alone that wouldn't wear out. That's amazing. I mean, that's a miracle right there. Now, Calvin wouldn't have a problem with the shoes because he doesn't wear them anyways. But for the rest of us that have shoes... For the rest of us that have shoes, not having the soles wear out for 40 years... That's not something that is usual. That is supernatural. That is God providing for them. He also protected them. He led you, in verse 15 and 16, He led you through the vast and dreadful desert, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. There were a lot of things out there that could hurt them. They could have twisted their ankle and broken a bone. Or they could have been bitten by a scorpion or a snake. Lots of problems. Lots of problems. And he gave them manna to eat in the desert. Think about this for a minute. There were more than a million people. There were a, there, they say a million people when they left Egypt. So after 40 years, there were millions of people. Okay? Do you imagine how much food it would have taken to feed millions of people? 
how much water it would have taken to, 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 to quench the thirst of millions of people. And if God would have said, okay, I'm going to make you carry your food, I'm going to make you carry your water, do you know how much that would have been to them? See, here's the deal. God puts us in situations, but then he gives us the daily sustenance to get through them. He didn't give them all their food at one time and say, you carry it. He didn't give them thousands or millions of gallons of water and say, you figure out how to carry it with you for 40 years. He didn't do that. He said, you know what? You just walk. You just trust. You follow the, the, the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. You listen to Moses. You obey my commands, and I will provide your way on a daily basis. Every day they would get up and they would get manna. Every day they would walk out and they were instructed to pick up a daily ration of manna. Don't pick up for tomorrow. Because if you pick up for tomorrow, what happened to it? It turned into maggots. And it was not a pretty thing. Another quick little story. This is kind of funny. Um, when my dad and Barney had a garbage business, I would come home on the weekends and help them haul garbage sometimes. And Barney and I would, I'd, I'd love to ride in the back of the garbage truck and throw the garbage in, especially in the summer days when it's really nice mornings. Anyway, we're, we're doing this, and I, I pick up this garbage bag, and Barney's on one side, and I'm on the other side, and I pick up this bag, and I just go to whip it up on the truck, and the bottom of that bag opened up, and it went all over Barney, and it was all full of maggots. <laughs> it was the funniest thing I'd seen in a long time. You should have seen him jumping around. So that's my story on maggots. I don't like maggots. And if the Israelites had to pick up only the daily ration, they did it because God said, don't do it. Don't do more than one day. So why does he only do that? Why does God only give us a daily provision? Why did he give them only daily provisions? I think he gave them to him for a number of reasons. Number one, because it humbles me. When I only have enough for today, that I can't be very proud about tomorrow. I can't rest on my, on my bank account because I don't know if it's going to be there. So it humbles me. It teaches me to trust daily. It develops a habit of waiting for the provision to come where I'm anticipating God to show up. I'm and there's a habit happening in my life where I'm waiting for that. It keeps me seeking for that daily amount. It keeps me sharp. It keeps me on the ball. And it makes me think of him every day. I can't ignore God anymore, but when I'm, when I'm waiting on him to give me my sustenance, I can't ignore him anymore because I have to be in his presence. And I have to be where he's at. And I have to be praying and I have to keep my relationship uh, sharp and true and unadulterated. That's why I keep my. That's why I keep his commands. See, this is not works. This is not legalism. This is not um, earning my salvation. This is I am a saved person. I love the Lord with all my heart. Now I want to keep my relationship with Him pure, because I want to have. I want to be able to go into His presence all the time, because I need daily sustenance. I need to live with him on a daily basis. I don't, I don't have a week's worth of manna here. I have to come every day. So when we come to church, we're getting a full of manna right now. But you know what? It's important for you tomorrow to go back out and you get in your own Bible study. Get in your own prayer closet. This is not enough. This is not enough for you because it's going to turn to maggots tomorrow. 
You have to develop your habit, your daily habit of getting into the Word, your daily habit of praying and getting in, and you have to dig in yourself to find the gold, the nuggets that God wants to give you, your personal revelations. It's not about people. It's not about the community anymore. It's about me. It's about, Father, fill this place. Fill this place. Fill my heart with your daily sustenance. And keep me humble and keep me moving in and keep me sharp. See, the Israelites didn't have to spend 40 years in the desert. It was not a 40-year trip that they were on. It was basically three weeks. They could have made the trip from Egypt to Canaan. Canaan. Canaan's a camera. Canaan's a land. They could have made it to Canaan in three weeks. But you know what? God saw early on in the testing that they weren't ready to get there. So he said, all right, I'm I'm sorry. I really hate to do this. I don't think God took pleasure in this. But for their benefit, so that it would go well for them in the end, he said, you know what, folks? We've got to delay this trip a little bit. And we're going 40 years. So that a whole generation died out. A whole generation of people had to die in the desert because God said, you are not getting into my promised land because you did not pass the tests. Now, let me tell you, I li- we live in a world of grace. And we live in a world that we don't have to worry about those Old Testament laws. But you know what? God is still God. I'm sorry. We cannot live the way we want to live and expect to get to heaven. If you're not living a godly life, if you're not digging into God's Word, if you're not praying, if you're not hunkering down and really getting serious with God, I'm sorry, you're not going to make it. I know it's hard teaching, and it's not what's popular today. Popularity says you live the way you want and then call it grace. Well, I believe in grace, and I believe that Jesus forgave me, and I believe He forgives me every day, but that does not give me license to go out and live the way I want to live and then say grace will cover it all. You know what that is? That's deception, and it's coming from the enemy, and we're going to, and you'll suffer for that. And I'm not putting burdens on anybody. I'm not putting, I'm not putting uh, added pressure on anybody. I'm just saying what the Bible says: follow the commands of God. Follow the commands of God, and it will go well with you in the end. I think God proved, to me at least. That if he can take care of over a million people, millions of people, he can take care of me. I don't need to stress over my provision. Because if God can feed millions of people and give them water, he can take care of my needs. And he can take care of your needs. So let's just trust him in that. Let's just seek first the kingdom of God, as it says in Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you, because he knows what things you need. He knows that, so just keep seeking him. I think we have it all backwards so many times in our thinking. We think to be, that to be rich is a good thing. <laughs> and that maybe God's prosperity is opposite than our thinking. See, the more we have in this world, the more we have to be concerned about in this world. The more we have in the spirit world, the more we have to be concerned about in that world. I'm not against prosperity, and I'm not against having nice homes and nice cars and a a big bank account. Believe me, I'm not against it because I like it and I want it. 
But if that's where my focus is at, then I'm more concerned about that than I am about the spirit world. And I'm more concerned about living in, in the temporary rather than in the eternal. So I would rather live in the eternal because that lasts a lot longer than the temporary. It lasts a lot longer. A million years lasts a lot longer than 80 years. I'm, I'm, I might get 80 years out of this life, but I've got millions and millions and millions of years in eternity that I will have, and you will have no matter what. The only question is where will you spend those millions of years? Are you going to spend them in heaven or are you going to spend them in hell? And that all is determined about what I do in this 80 years. Very, 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 very important. So let's move on. Number four, remember the lessons of the hard times and who delivers. If you go to chapter 8, verses 10 through 14, it says, When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud. And you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. We have to remember God. See, if he gives us prosperity, the, 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 the risk is that we're going to get comfortable in our prosperity. You know, and I'll tell you, that's probably the problem of the American church is because we as Americans are all rich. You compare yourself to a third world country and we're all rich. And where are we at with our hunger for God compared to a third world country that is starting to see the relevance of God maybe for the first time? You see a lot of things happening over there when they're hungry. And sometimes riches in this world are dulling our senses. They're dulling our spiritual senses to the point that if, we, if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we're going to lose. I am not against prosperity. I am not against wealth. I am not against good things. But don't let them take the priority in your life. If you do, if you do, it's gonna, what, what's going to happen to you is what, is what happened to the Israelites. Never waste the lessons learned in the hard times. Always remember the provisions of God in the hard times. But never, never, ever forget the lessons. Because those are the lessons that will get you through the next hard time. And the next one. And the next one. And the next one. Because they're going to keep coming. Deuteronomy 8, 17 through 18, Moses says again to the Israelites, may, You may say to yourself, My power and my strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth, and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your forefathers as it is today. And he says in 19 through 20, If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and worship and bow down to them, I testify you against I testify against you today that you will surely be destroyed like the nations the Israel like the nations the Lord destroyed before you you will be destroyed for not obeying the Lord your God. That's pretty stern stern warnings, isn't it? Not only does it just make common sense and not only is it just gracious to remember the person that saved you 
the God that brought you out. It only makes sense that we would do that. But if you don't do that, he's not just saying it's not nice and I'm going to be upset. He says, I will destroy you. Now, I don't know if anybody in this world that is destroyed today, and I'm not preaching the significance of that, but I do tell you what, that the Bible does talk in areas about if-then if conditions. If you talk about taking communion, and if it says if you take communion unworthily, you are eating damnation to yourself. And some, that's why some are sick and, and sickly and sleep among you. And this is, that's New Testament, people. So if you're not living godly ways, then can you see any consequences in your life? Now, this is dangerous territory, and I don't want to push it too far here because I don't want everybody to say, as soon as you have a problem, you're living a sinful life. That's not what I'm saying. So clearly hear that. But if it's me, I'm going to measure it. And it's okay for me to measure my life. It's not okay for me to measure your life. So I'm not going to come to you and say, you have this problem because you are sinning. I'm not going to say that. But you know what? I'm going to measure my life, and I'm going to judge my own life, and I would encourage you to judge your heart. If you're having problems over and over and over and over again, if you're repeating the same issues, maybe God's trying to say something to you. And maybe he's trying to say, guys, wake up. Obey my commands, and it will go well with you in the end. As we are concluding today, Did you hear the word concluding? Not concluded. We're concluding. There's a difference. That's preaching vernacular for we got another 15 minutes. No, I'm only joking. But I want to encourage us all today to understand, number one, the end lasts a lot longer than the middle. The end lasts a lot longer than the middle. Otherwise, the middle wouldn't be the middle. <laughs> the middle would be the end. Because we're living in the middle right now. We have a beginning and we have an end. But right now, we're in the middle. And we may be going through some really, really hard times. Or, may, or not. It all depends on your situation. I don't know your situations. Maybe, th maybe things are going really, really good for you. And if they are, that's great. I, I'm, I'm glad for you. I really am. I hope they do. But in any way you go, whether you're struggling or if you're in full prosperity, understand the tests are still there for you. The Lord is still wanting to see what is in your heart. That's why he gave the Israelites the tests, because he wanted to know what was in their heart. And he wanted them to know what was in their heart. So as we're in the middle of life, Understand what it says in Mark chapter 8, verses 36 and 37. It says, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? So let me ask you the question. If you'd stand with me. And if you'd close your eyes and just take some time to reflect on your middle. Where are you at? Some of us are further along the path than others. Some of us are just starting the path of life. Others are in the middle of it and others are on the tail end of it. It, it really doesn't make any difference where you're at. You're still in the middle. You're still in the thrust of it all. You're still in the middle of it all. This is a message of encouragement today. 
This is a message knowing that God has your middle in his hands and he is all over it. He is not in a state of confusion. He is not in 52 card pickup like Ginger's word was this morning. He is not in confusion. But he will take your confusion and make it orderly for you if you allow him to. Where are you today? Are you wasting your trials and your tests like the Israelites did? Are you extending your journey 40 years like the Israelites did? They didn't have to. And you don't have to. You can get into that land of promise much, much quicker if you will choose to. But it's your choices that make the difference. Are you willing to let God be God? Are you willing to let Him be the God that He wants to be in your life so that those tests of life in your life will bring you good in the end? Or are you kicking against the goads? Are you struggling with this? Are you fighting God along the way? Young person, middle-aged person, grandparent, this is for you. I want to ask you, first of all, have you accepted Christ in your heart? Number one, have you accepted Christ in your heart? If your eyes are closed, that's number one. You have to have that number one priority. If you don't have that, then nothing else makes any sense. You must, you must, you must have Jesus living in your heart. You must have a relationship with Christ. If you aren't comfortable, if you don't have Jesus in your life, right now I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. Just raise your hand to the Lord. No one's looking. Just raise your hand to the Lord and say, No, I need to have Christ, number one. Number First thing, I need to have Jesus in my heart. Then number two, are you willing to let God be God in your heart? Are you willing to live it out outside of this church building? Young person, very important. Middle-aged person, very important. Parents, very important. Grandparents, very important. There's not anyone in this church building that that's not an important question to. So I really encourage you to examine your life today. Examine your life today. And let God be the God of your middle so that it will go well with you in the end and that you will never, ever forget the promises of God. And we're going to close and we're going to go to our homes. But we're going to sing a song and as we sing, if you want to pray, if the Lord's pressing on your heart that you want to press in a little bit, we're here at the altar with you, for you. We want to help you. We want to encourage you to live your life today. Please don't forget. Please don't walk out of here and forget your manna tomorrow. Please go after your own manna tomorrow. For your benefit. So it will be well with you in the end. Amen. Father, we just come before you in Jesus' name. Lord, I just pray that you would forgive me of the times that I haven't trusted you in that manna thing. That I've tried to gather up my own. And I've tried to get my own provision and my own sustenance and my own plan that I've worked around you. Forgive me for that, Jesus. Forgive me. I come now to you 
and I'm praying corporately that others would be praying with me this prayer that we would say, Lord, that we just want you daily. Right where we live, you will meet our need right where we live and that we will learn to glean the manna of heaven, the bread of life. Lord, it says in, in, in this here as well that we do not live by bread alone, but about what every word that comes from the mouth of God. And it's so important that we recognize that our sustenance is not just bread. It's the word of God. It's the breath of life. Help us, Father. Train us, Jesus. Convict us, Holy Spirit. Be the prosecutor in our life. Don't let us off easy, Holy Spirit. If we're wrong, then you make it know that we know we're wrong. Pull us in, Jesus. Pull us, Lord, Holy Spirit. Don't let us walk out of this building if we're not right today. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. As we sing the song, you're free to go, but if you want to pray, come up and let us pray with you. Thank you for coming with us today. Welcome the Cope family again. In Jesus' name, bless you today. Oh, okay.